I'd like to welcome all of you to the 2007 Student International Assessment Group and Working Group on Environment in Latin America Conference. This year's conference is Protected Areas, How Successful Are They in Changing World? Um, we have two panels today, both on marine and terrestrial environments, followed by financing of protected areas, and then finally, our keynote speaker talking about ecosystem services in Costa Rica. Uh, thank you all for coming today. And um, that's it. I'm going to turn it over to Dean Willis Fessinger. He's the Dean of the School, Nicholas School of Environment and Earth Sciences. He will be welcoming all of you as well. Thank you. Thanks. Now, Nicholas School has lots of groups associated with it that spring up to do various things, and the Student International Discussion Group is one of my favorites, also one of the most long live. Um, and every year, at least the last seven years, which extends before my time at the Nicholas School, uh, has produced this wonderful conference on different topics uh, and maintained a level of activity through the year that is certainly, uh, certainly enriches the life of all the students at the Nicholas School. So, First, I want to start off by thanking that group uh, for putting this group, uh, this conference together uh, and producing such a fine program. I think there's lots of people that have been involved in that, but in particular, uh, Heather, Maria, Seth, Jasmine, Sahil, and Tara, who you've all just met, Terry, you just heard from, uh, and you will run into all these folks during the course of the day, uh, deserve a special round of, of thanks. Uh, on behalf of the school and all of us. Now, I've, as many of you know, I've probably spent most of my life with my nose down in a test tube in the lab thinking about uh, the chemistry of Earth's environment. Uh, but what you may not know is that uh, when I was, uh, I think it was about 14, growing up outside of Cleveland, uh, is where my uh, involvement with environment began in a weekend program that the Cleveland Museum of Natural History organized. And of course that, uh, for junior high kids at that age, the predominant activity was to take us out and look at various habitats in northeastern Ohio, even northwestern Ohio. Uh, and what struck me then, uh, as I looked at how Buffalo was growing into Cleveland, which is growing into Detroit, uh, and that was growing into Chicago, uh, is how these organisms that I was seeing, I remember seeing my first American woodcock outside Cleveland in a nice marshy habitat, uh, the kinds of habitat future uh, that those species would have uh, as the decades unfolded. I have to admit there's been nothing reassuring about any of my trips back to Northern Ohio uh, to make me think that maybe the path was changed uh, there. And, uh, I wouldn't even begin to know where to find an American woodcock if I was going back and, and tromping around in some of my old habitats there. Uh, but the impression that left on me was the overwhelming importance of habitat uh, for the Earth's biodiversity, which of course why we all come to work every day. I may do it through environmental chemistry, but what really is important is the number of species that persist on the planets and with us uh, in healthy populations. Uh, that represent, essentially, our stewardship of planet Earth. Uh, so that began long ago with uh, my field trips out there to that habitat, and I think the enthusiasm of topics that will be covered in the course of, of today's program 
uh, simply extend that kind of thinking, of course, to the wondrous diversity that exists uh, all across this planet, particularly in tropical latitudes, uh, that we have an opportunity to steward, uh, although the window to do, do that well uh, won't be open uh, terribly long. From my perspective as a global biogeochemist, you know, I look at the estimates that we see from remote sensing in the southeast or the Midwest that uh, reflects uh, some 3% of the land surface here is actually paved over and urbanized. Uh, you know, that sounds rather small, but when you look at actually the amount that's dominated by humans, maybe it's not paved over and urbanized, but it's dominated by humans, and the effective habitat and the net primary production available uh, to non-human species, uh, then you get something up closer to 50%. And that, of course, really shows the human dominance on the landscape uh, in North America and elsewhere uh, that is so worrisome for the preservation of these resources, if not habitat for other species. I think most of the uh, estimates of the global carbon cycle, including the new IPCC assessment that just came out last week, uh, give something on the order of 20% of the carbon dioxide emissions to the atmosphere every year are not actually from fossil fuels, but uh, from destruction of carbon-containing biomass, largely in the tropics. Uh, that is often overlooked as we kind of point the finger at the villains of the fossil fuel industry, uh, but uh, very much a contribution uh, to changing climate and at the same time representing a loss of biomass habitat for the species in those latitudes. I know much less about the marine environment except that it strikes me that Mike Orbach has left an impression on me over the years that we, a lot of people don't know much about the marine environment because we're not in it you, and you don't walk to the edge of the sea and look in it uh, at least very easily. Uh, and so, of course, it's down there uh, and uh, in many cases has a wondrous diversity that might rival that of tropical forest, but we know so much uh, less about it. I saw a statistic, I think, that Elliot Norris put together a few years ago, if you probably know where this citation is, that had the, uh, essentially the marine benthic deforestation rate uh, that we don't see, but is abstracted every day by trawling and the like, uh, rivaling, if not exceeding, that of tropical deforestation uh, that's so much more obvious and so much more in the press. Uh, so the concern of habitat preservation in protected areas uh, very much, and I think this conference picks that up wonderfully, uh, extends from land to sea. Uh, this, is a, this is a global problem in the full sense of the word, not just the 70, uh, not just the 30% the, uh, of the land uh, that uh, covers the Earth's surface. Um, so there's a long history of looking at refuges, the National Wildlife Refuge System in this country certainly reflects it as an approach to try to preserve areas, preserve uh, habitat for species. Uh, sometimes they're under fire, got one under fire here in this state with the Navy's desire to build the outer landing field near uh, the Coast and Lakes National Wildlife Refuge. But, you know, nevertheless, as you look back at the, at the success of that, uh, that's, uh, that's an approach that has to be taken seriously. I, I find these really valuable areas to visit myself for uh, bird watching and the like. Uh, and so, of course, there's the urge, as we have an opportunity to set these up in uh, countries that uh, are now facing the choice of how they preserve habitat, that something like 
a national wildlife refuge system may, may very well be uh, worth thinking about. Uh, and yet they need to be protected. And of course, I think that's one of the big things on the docket for today is you can't just sort of establish them and then walk away. You've got to have some way of making sure that, it, in fact, they're not degraded by uh, illicit uh, selective logging in the middle of the night uh, at the level. There's also, of course, the question about a pay for, for all of this. This country, uh, obviously blessed with uh, richness of economics, uh, has been able to do a fair amount of habitat preservation. Uh, but as you look uh, around the world, uh, with the daily problems of supplying food, supplying fresh water, avoiding disease, uh, trying to get the minimum level of education and, and uh, some of the important uh, modern lifestyle uh, approaches like internet hookups, these are all things that uh, people in uh, the developing world face every day, uh, much less certain uh, and with many fewer resources uh, left over after, after trying to uh, supply the needs of food and water and education uh, than we uh, have had uh, in this country, in the developed world. Uh, we had resources left over to put into our refuge system. Uh, so there'll be trade-offs, and I think uh, some of the things to think about today is how to encourage the importance of this uh, habitat preservation in the decision-making of trade-offs so that uh, people uh, realize that it will benefit them in the long run. And of course, that brings us to ecosystem services that brings us uh, full circle of the kinds of things that uh, I've worked on with the students in my lab over the, over the years. Uh, can we identify essentially things of economic value that nature does for us uh, that we would label as ecosystem services and use that as part of the argument uh, to, uh, for, for economic trade-offs of the importance of, of refuge systems. And I think we know painfully little there about that. I was just involved in, and still am involved in some uh, habitat preservation issues along the coast of Maine uh, where there's uh, bill before the Maine State Legislature to essentially reduce the buffer zone around uh, un, uh, unspoiled habitat along the coast there. And uh, was in the business trying to make an argument that this, that, that coastal habitat was of great value to the citizens of Maine for ecotourism and bird watching and all those things. And of course that was an easy statement to make. It was much harder to go out and actually find any data where anybody had actually uh, added up what ecotourists spent in Maine compared to what the developers were promising they would bring uh, to the coast of Maine. Uh, so even in this country, I think we know painfully little about various kinds of ecosystem services. In that case, it was ecotourism. Uh, and I suspect we know uh, even less in areas that are very distant from us. Uh, so I think today's program looks great. This was a day when I assumed I could be you know, casual and get rid of my deanly attire and all the organizers here showed up in suits. Um, so, uh, but, but obviously uh, there's a, a, a diversity of, uh, of uh, plumage. Uh, so uh, it looks like a great program. Uh, I'm sure it will be a great day. I'll be in and out during the course of the day. Uh, once again, uh, many thanks to those that organized it. Uh, I'm sure this will be the kind of day that all of you that go on in career in this kind of activity uh, will remember as enriching uh, your portfolio of knowledge on the subject. Uh, so many thanks. <laughs>